Trash, The Final Frontier. Trash, The Final Frontier. Welcome to the bridge of the starship Red October for Strange New Pods, a podcast miniseries covering Strange New Worlds. I'm your Captain Justin, and joining me on my away mission are my science officer Anna and Dino Anthropologist Jared. Um, as you can tell from the uh, bad Sean Connery impression, we're doing a submarine episode today. I thought it was pretty good, in part. Okay. <laughs> I recognized it immediately, so... There we go. That's, there we go. that's really the all you could ask for in any impression. Yeah. Uh, imagine someone listening to this who hasn't seen this episode yet and is like, why are we doing the Sean Connery impression? I mean, I hope that the Red October, like, I, I'm, I'm like figuring, like, I'll just change the... I'll just change the ship name whenever we have a funny, appropriate bit to do. We got the mandatory submarine episode. Mm-hmm. Seems like every space show does one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. To which I have a question for you both. Where are you on cadet duty this week on the Enterprise? Uh, I think I think I got uh, signed up for the galley this week, so I'm, I'm <laughs> uh, have the dubious pleasure of working under Neelix. He wants to show you his porn collection. Uh, I I saw a great tweet the other day that was um, somebody trying to defend their love of Neelix. Um, and you know, he adds flavor. <laughs> and the response is, but the flavor is bad. He's not for me. I recognize your right to like Neelix. I simply hold my own right to think you're fucking weird for it. That's my thoughts on Neelix. Yeah. And honestly, <laughs> honestly, the first three seasons with the Kez thing, just like, like, norm- okay, I will yeah. say this. Normally, I am not one to age discourse. However... That's just, the writers intentionally made it weird. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, on the other hand, am on janitorial duty. I don't know. Are there, there there have to be toilets on the Enterprise. And there's a lot of weird species on there. And I have to imagine they get clogged sometimes. (laughs) And they're not going to waste the transporter on unclogging a toilet. So they have to have like some kind of phaser plunger. And I'm the guy wielding the phaser plunger this week. I am going to spare you both the reason why that's the case. Yeah, I'm just going to let, let my brain just reset over that and mm-hmm. glaze over it. It was either that or like, I don't know, does the Enterprise have a kennel? Because that would be the other option. Hurting the wild beasts. Which we're doing what? Memento Mori this week? Yes, we are doing season one, episode four, Memento Mori. Rated by Davey Perez and Bo DeMaio. Directed by Dan Liu. And you've got the summary this time, right, Justin? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I because read it's the, a submarine episode. The Enterprise is delivering a badly needed atmospheric processor to the colony on Phidibus 3, and Cadet Uhura is on engineering as part of her cadet rotations. However, when the Enterprise reaches the colony, they find it has been attacked! Oh no! With a lot of gruesome bodies and blood everywhere. With some quick deduction, they figure out mid-recovery of survivors that it is the Gorn! They attack the Enterprise, and the Enterprise gets its ass whooped. Pike takes them into a brown dwarf star, which is being gobbled up by a black hole. I don't ask me to explain how the science works for this. I am just going entirely off vibes. It doesn't. <laughs> it's it's Star Trek's. 
is what it does. It's Star Trek's. Here, here's how Star Trek works. If you go into a stellar anomaly that has colorful gas, your sensors stop working, your shields stop working, and other systems might also be going, and occasionally you'll get ghosts. <laughs> or it might all be or That's it might all be alive. I don't make the rules. And everything happens way faster than it should. Like this isn't yes. just like But a there's no time space dilation of any other kind. They're like exactly. fucking yeah. around on the event horizon of a black hole and nobody even fucking brings it up. That is one of those things where it's, yeah. don't worry. Like yeah. I said, don't it doesn't science, it. it's Star Trek. And I'm fine with it because as we'll discuss. Yeah, yeah. So they are able to destroy the gorge ship using a torpedo as a bomb. Uh, but that just ends up attracting more gorge ships. To try to scout the situation, Laon and Spock take the Galileo shuttle and they absorb two ships two Gorn ships scanning each other. Through a mind meld with Lon and some expository flashback to her time on a uh, Gorn nursery world, they determine that this is in fact a communication method. And they trick the Gorn mothership into blowing up one of the smaller ships. The Enterprise is able to escape by slingshotting around the black hole and expelling debris. The ship is very worse for wear, with seven dead. There are also a few interspersed little subplots throughout this episode with the medical bay being dealing with no power and Uhura and Hammer stuck in a cargo bay with a atmospheric processor that wants to blow up. Uh, everybody, everybody who we care about survives those seven randos die mm-hmm. and the enterprise looks like shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it takes a beating. Yep. I really enjoyed this episode. I do wonder how many races out there randomly eat colonists that when they get down on the planet, Lan is not just immediately like, hmm, fucking Gorn. That she's like, could be any number of things that eat colonists. And like some of the other, some of the other people are like, could be plants or viruses. And there's like sprays of bl- arterial blood up on the walls. I'm just like, I think sometimes Starfleet recognizes that they live in Star Trek. <laughs> And so there's a lot of weird shit that could go around here. Carnivorous plants sounds like I honestly like don't know why it hasn't been. It sounds done like before. a Tuesday. Yeah. yeah, no, I get that. And it could it could just be like fucking Klingons or something too. Well, yeah, I, and that's fair. It could have been I'm Klingons, sh- and I like, but I just thought it was funny that like nobody was like this could have been the the Schmangs or the Dingledats. Or, or or like the the biting knips or something like that and listed off a bunch of Dr. Seussian aliens that eat humans. They're just like, this is fucking weird. What happened? And then finally, Lon is like, wait, they clicked? They're Gorn. And you're just like, yes, we, we all knew this was going to be the Gorn. Welcome to the episode. But that said, I thought that it did a masterful job of building tension in that like throughout the whole episode, but particularly once you start to get the idea that they're going to figure out, like that Lon is going to figure out that it's the Gorn, like the tension building through her is very good. I thought that was really well executed. Yeah. And I think broadly the show does a really good job of sometimes understanding that the audience knows exactly what's happening and what's going to happen and not trying to like subvert that super hard or like give some sort of like, weird twist that doesn't make any sense they're just like okay you understand we will play into this yeah yeah and it's like oh hey it's still gonna be it's still gonna be tense the expectations are going to be we're gonna ramp the expectation we're not gonna fake it out here we're gonna 
We're going to let you, we're going to let you. I'm gesticulating. We're going to let you stew here so that it's, it's satisfying once it comes in. And you're like, oh, hey, I saw yeah. this coming. I feel smart yeah. for that. I, I mean this as the highest compliment, not as an insult, but Strange New Worlds is the apple of Star Trek's. It's not doing anything novel, but what it's doing is it's taking what has already been done and understood and it's polishing that to an incredibly high degree of user experience and polish in and delivering that in a really, really elegant way. And that's what made Apple products so superior in the first decade of its existence. And that's what established its market dominance. It, it's not like the iPod that did anything. I'm building cover right now for the, for like the shrapnel my, that the accounts mentions are going to get. For <laughs> well, it's not like Apple didn't do anything revolutionary with the iPod. The iPod was simply better at everything it did than everything else out there. And it had a, an incredibly good, coherent user experience. Straight, Strange New Worlds is not doing anything novel with the Star Trek formula, except every single component of the show works, is tight and fun and engaging, and the whole is a really great package. Everything seems to fit really well together, and the episodes are delivered really well. And I don't, like I said, I don't mean it as an, as an insult. I think it's an incredibly high compliment that they've really identified what is satisfying and rich about the classic Trek formula and what modern audiences will identify and love about it. And they're, I think that's a really cool thing that they've yeah. really honed in on what is so joyful about, about Trek and they're executing it so well with these characters and these storylines. And like you said, they're not subverting your expectations and that's okay. You're still loving right. it because you're in for the ride mm -hmm. and you know that they're going to deliver for you. And that's broadly something that like I've, you know, has turned me off of a lot of media recently, which is that you know, there, there seems to be this like ongoing thought process in a lot of media of like, if the audience knows what's coming, then we have to make that not, not be the case. The audience cannot be right. My friend calls that the Durden effect. <laughs> everything has to be, everything has to be clever. Right. And like we've seen that in all sorts of all sorts of shows and mm. Westworld. Yeah. <laughs> um, and sometimes sometimes it works and sometimes sometimes it just ends up being stressful and feels shitty. You know, having yeah. having a twist come out of nowhere that makes no sense and doesn't have anything leading up to it really just just for the yeah. sake of having a twist. It's to bring it to a familiar place. Um, it's the, like, the, you can get, you get narrative satisfaction from Bill. Yeah. Like, you, you get narrative satisfaction from seeing something, anticipating it, and the delivery. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's, this is a wrestling thing. You have to build your plots for people to, like, say, oh, hey, I want this, and I want to see X outcome. Yeah. And you can either fulfill that outcome, or swerve the them but if you build it still either way you're going to build that's, it see, that's exact that's a really good point i think that's what a lot of people don't get is you can't swerve out of nowhere there still has to be a build-up and a uh 
a, a narrative logic to justify a swerve. You can't just be like, ha 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 and fishtail around the storyline and expect people to be like, that was really fucking clever. No, that's that's just wanking across the page. Like, it's pointless. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something that, that the Strange New Worlds writers do very well is realize that they have 45 minutes to tell a story. And like, there there are some dangling threads that, we, that we've got looming around right now. But for the most part, you got to pack up your shit. <laughs> yeah. Within 45 minutes. Which I appreciate, like, you know, this is just one of those refreshing. things of, like, usually the only way I can get that satisfaction these days is somebody has to get murdered. <laughs> um, in the TV show, not in real life. <laughs> um, Justin's not going mean, out and have and going on, like, 45-minute murder sprees, let's be clear. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I it, it's sort of this thing of we, we've sort of just stopped doing procedural sci-fi we do not have the sg ones of the world anymore for for better or worse thank you anyway yeah let's talk about let's talk about some submarine shit what is your quick poll what is your favorite narrative thread while they're submarining where are you a hammer and uhura person are you a uh number one in the med bay what's your What's your your flavor of choice for this episode? I'm a sucker for like that mentor student yeah. relationship. So it's got to be Hura uh, uh, and Hammer. Yeah, yeah, they're they're great, and you know, I love both of those characters. And every time they interact, it's a joy, and we get so much interaction between them in this episode. Yeah, yeah, um, and they're two characters who like. I mean, they had a little bit of interaction before, but it wasn't immediately a a pairing that I was like thinking of, of like, Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But no, it works really well. Um, and I absolutely love like hammers injured. So it's like, okay, I need you to, I'm going to have to walk you through this. I love that. We got a little more of hammer besides like grumpy. Yeah. We got him being oh. a mentor. We got him being like philosophical. a little bit philosophical. philosophical. We got more yeah. about like his pacifism. Like how can you be a Starfleet officer and still be a pacifist. And he's like, well, we're going to protect everybody. We're going to peace for everyone. Yeah. He's like, I'm a pacifist. I'm not a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's like. It's he, terrific. In a sci-fi genre that is filled with so many episodes of the week about like complete and total like non-resistant pacifism. Yeah. I can't think of any Star Trek specific ones, but like every time I think about this, there's like five different episodes of like SG-1 and Atlantis. Oh, yeah. Where there's like, we're going to this planet. Oh, these people are being oppressed by the ghoul. We're pacifists and we refuse to, we refuse to, you know, deal with the suffering of others. Meanwhile, Hever is just like, bitch, I'll fight you. I'll fight someone for <laughs> for my beliefs. <laughs> yeah, he's like, look, I don't believe in murdering myself. But I'll still serve on a ship and make the engine go and the Starfleet does something I believe in. And I super love yeah. that. It's fantastic. Yeah, I love yeah. them. For me, though, that wasn't the part. I am developing a a real love. I mean, look, I'm super, super obviously big, big stan for our Captain Pike. But I really <laughs> love Ortegas. Like, 
She's so good. She's so good. And their their like chit chat banter on the bridge is like that's the good stuff for me. And when she's like, "Aye, aye, Captain, dive, dive, dive," I fucking <laughs> cackled. So like I love that she is. She's so good. I love his relationship with his bridge crew. Uh, I can't. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if I picked up on it in early episodes, but one thing I noticed in the most recent episode we were watching, he calls her by her first name. He doesn't, yep. and yeah. a lot of his his bridge crew, he doesn't refer to them like Picard is always very proper, right? He's always like Lieutenant, you know, Ensign, whatever. He's always like extremely formal, and Kirk like doesn't even look at the ensigns or the 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 cadets unless he's nailing them, um, and he just talks to like the same four people on the bridge. And whatever he knows all their first names and is like talking to them. He addresses them by their first names. And I think that's fucking dope characterization for each of like, it's such a great way of like characterizing the the captains by the way they talk to their bridge crew. I would like to interject. And I was going to say, you're up, about to defend. Kirk, and I'm going to defend Kirk on multiple <laughs> levels here. Because um, he he does. I should caveat this. I've actually never seen an original episode of, of Star Trek that was okay. based entirely on prejudice. <laughs> yes. Okay. Because there's there's a couple of things. Is that like Kirk does generally know the crew, even the even the lower decks folks. Yeah, it's always Mr. It's like Mr. Carter or Mr. Yeah, and like ev- every time a crew member dies, there tends to be the like, but. But, you know, Joe was three days away from retirement and who will take care of his God, dog? I, I need I need you to watch Ballads of Terror yeah, just, yeah, for yeah, the, yeah. just for the emotional B-plot that goes through that episode. Also, Kirk does not fuck as much as you think he does. No. Kirk, that's he, well, he, so no, I don't want to watch it because I have that's, this. That's this... a mass delusion, honestly. Like that... it, it, it is the Berenstein Berenstain. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because he. But he you know who does fuck? You know who does fuck? Spock. <laughs> yes, he fl- he flirts a lot, and like there's a kiss here and there, but like very rarely does he fuck. I think both I, Bones certainly gets way more action than Kirk. Well, where do you think he got that nickname from? Exactly. <laughs> it wasn't because he's a doctor, as as Dax would say, he had the hands of a doctor. Was the hands, hands of a surgeon. I was say, hands of a surgeon. God, yeah. the I love. Wrong. I remember. I was actually watching DS Nine when that episode aired, and when he when she says that line, and Cisco's like spit take over that line, or was it Worf? I can't remember. But somebody reacts to that line. I'm pretty sure it was Cisco. It's Cisco, I think. I think it yeah. was Cisco. That was my first. Yeah, but the the reaction to it was just like. Because Cisco, oh. Cisco thinks that she's like mooning over Kirk, but no, that is inaccurate. Oh yeah, well, well, like she's like, oh yeah, my my former hosted. And then there's the scene where she's looking at his like his eyes. They're so you know they're they're oh they're so gorgeous. And 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 Cisco says like Kirk had quite the reputation of his ladies man. She's like, bitch, no Spock. <laughs> which is the appropriate response there yeah there was a meme going around when you probably posted it of that scene but then when it cut it, when it cuts away it's not spock oh, it's, it's galron yeah, it's, it's galron <laughs> uh, yeah you, you need you need to actually watch star trek original though man when we finish at, at the end of strange new worlds uh while we wait for season two i'm gonna watch and live tweet the original cool. series good good I do love the idea of like 
fire of like dropping the torpedo and letting gravity do the work. Oh yeah, that's fantastic. That was a nice touch. I love how pleased as Punch Pike looks. He looks really pleased with himself when they come when he yeah. comes up with that idea. And we've got we've got Chekhov's um, unstable uh, atmospheric processor oh, reactor. Yeah. As soon as he mentions how how like un- how like explosive it is, I'm just like, all right, start a timer that's gonna go off in some amount of time. Yeah, and and like and then it does, and you're really happy about it. Yeah, but it's funny, like it, it absolutely is Chekhov's exploding re- exploding atmospheric processor because it's the second they mention it, you know that's exactly what's going to happen to it. Yeah. So another another Pike relationship that I wanted to call out in this one is, I mean, this episode has a lot of Laan content um, for good yeah. reason. She's my sad little meow meow. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> she she is so good, and I really love the scene where they have the staff meeting. She rattles off a hell of a lot of doom and gloom about how, like, the Gorn are, like, pure evil and they're going to kill them all. Um, yeah. And all of that. And <laughs> gets, Pike's like, she gets okay, intense. Every, everybody, everybody go except except you, Lon. Can can you stay? The thing I love about the, the following scene is, like, he kind of, he kind of, like, tells her off gently for being excessively doom and gloom. And she makes this whole thing of like, well, you know, the, the, you know, emotions are useless and I don't have any of them. And you can kind of like, clearly this is not the case. Yeah. yeah. Like Pike is like, bitch, I, I, I'm friends with the Vulcan. I can't, I can't, don't lie yeah. to me about this. But, but at the same time, at the same time, Pike does not say like, clearly you're lying about this. You have emotions. He's just like, okay, well maybe keep your shit together in front of the crew. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, he handles it. And this is one thing that I love about this show and this captain is he's so good with his crew. He handles Lon with care, but for her and for the crew. In a lot of shows, he would blow her off or be tender with her, but ignore the fact that she's kind of fucking freaking out the crew. Like he handles the whole thing very well. Yeah. Both sides. But then also he's like, you know, she's like going on about how she doesn't have feelings. And you can see in his head, he's like, yes, I've been down this road with Spock before. We've, I've, you know, I'll bring up, I have. He's like, great. I have to do this. I have to do this again. I have, I I have, I have some, I have some books you can read Um, back in my, back in my quarters that I had Spock, that Spock did, Spock filled out all the questionnaires, but you can, you know, you can read them. And do them yourself, like. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't get into this whole thing of like where he's like, "Well, clearly you do have emotions," and she gets defensive and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, he's, he's not just scolding like, her. Okay, at all. cool. Yeah, like just yeah, just keep your shit together, please. Yeah, he's like, like, hey, right now you are my first officer, so I need you to not fuck my crew, fuck with my crew. Yeah, he's like, right now you got to be a leader. You gotta, you gotta show them, you gotta show the crew what's up, and. It's the perfect thing to say to her because the only thing that Lon cares about, I think, more than being like a badass is duty. Yeah. And that's the perfect way to get her to like snap out of it is to be like Mm -hmm. to get through to her, not even snap out of it, but to get through to her that like here's an over an overriding command is duty. And she it does. It works. Yeah, it's it's great. It's just really well handled and. Uh, I, I really, really appreciate that scene. 
Yeah. Mm. One thing, uh, speaking of a, a really nice character moment, what another scene I really liked was with Lon was uh, when she does the mind meld with Spock. And Spock has to tell her, this is not a way to get around you like therapy. Yeah. I, <laughs> like, yeah. A mind meld is not shortcut for therapy, please. Yeah, I like the caveat he gives her. Um, and I thought it was a perfectly acceptable flashback. I have complaints, linguist adjacent complaints about the notebook she sees in her flashback. Cause it's like three dots and a dash equals a, and I'm just like, no, that is not, this is not how language works. This is not, this is not how like other languages work on earth, much less with aliens. It's not a, a simple alphabetic cipher, but I really did. Right, like That's for us in the audience. Yes, obviously. Uh, yeah. But I did okay, like. Okay, I'm gonna that- I'm gonna tell you the same thing that you tell me about science stuff all the time, which is, it's fine. Don't yeah. worry <laughs> about it. Well, and that's like I said, I'm not going to get bent out of shape. It's just, not, it's just, I noticed it at the time and I was like, mm, Because no. if, once we go down this road, we've also got like, they're attempting to express a like complex concept of like, you know, boarding and stuff like that in. Through dots and dashes. English yes, letters. Yeah. Squints. Yeah. But what I liked about that scene was not just how Lon is like kind of falling apart there. But when she starts to bleed into Spock and she starts to pick up that he had a sister and the stuff with discovery, the way that he get he gives her like one second of vulnerability where he's like, yes, we're done now. Yeah. Like, yeah. But it's, a, it's, it's, I thought it was a really nicely handled moment because you get to see the rawness of that because it's very recent for Spock. I mean, it just happened. Yeah. Yeah, it was a few months ago. Yeah, so it's very raw. So you see that moment of rawness with him and then he just shuts that door. And I think it's really a nice view into how he's going to handle You have to be that. a level five friend to unlock this backstory. <laughs> well, arguably, he's never going to unlock no. that story. That story's going to stay locked up tight. And I think that's a nice touch that like, we're not going to be talking about discovery here. Like that's going to stay locked up. That's not coming out. And I like that touch. Yeah. It's like, and it's classified now. So they, they can't talk to anybody about it. Yeah. Or only on people who have been read in. Yeah. Like Burnham's entire existence has been like scrubbed from history. Basically. Yeah. I have a couple of costuming ish things. Um, mm. The first is that Una's nails, as always, are spectacular. They don't have any, like, like you know, nude with French tips or anything like that on her. No, it's like gold, metallic gold. I love it. Nice. Um, and also, what kind of IV goes through somebody's clothing? It's the same way hyposprays work. <laughs> but it's an IV. I, okay, it's fine. Don't worry hypo about spray it. is just like right through, right through a uniform. I really did like that touch, though, that Una is like, no, don't don't waste the blood on me. Give it to somebody else. Roll the dice with me. And the the doctor's like, well, hook me up. Like, what's the worst thing that happen? She's got she's got fucking super blood. If, if our types don't match, she'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that. I mean, I, I have to figure that was basically his thought process was. She just needs blood. I've got blood. If it doesn't work, 
she fucking healed a, an entire goddamn weirdo fucking light virus. She can handle like my platelets, like whatever. Yeah. She'll make it work. It's like I don't know how my body works. It's gonna just it'll it'll come up. It'll it'll be yeah. fine. Uh, like I hope they have like that. I hope that becomes a recurring thing in this show. Is like every time Una gets injured, they're just like, hey, just she'll figure it out. Just plug her in and let her let her let her <laughs> sort it out. Let her, let her, you know, recharge overnight. Yeah. One scene that we haven't talked about yet is when Pike closes off the lower decks of the ship because they're mm. being smushed mm-hmm. like a tin can um, before before it's entirely evacuated. And Spock is trying to comfort him and says, you made the logical choice. And Pike says why doesn't it feel like that then and spock replies with for the same reason that you made it because you value life which that's a great exchange yeah Yeah. it is it's not spock trying to appeal to him on a logical level yeah it's like it's not like you saved more people than you did it's you did it because you because this is the right choice to make and it would have hurt other people yeah it shows that he knows Pike really well and he knows the right thing to say to Pike in that moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that scene is really intense. We almost lose our not quite but almost generic transporter chief. Oh yeah, Chief Kyle. The only thing we know about Chief Kyle for sure no. is next episode we learn that he's very afraid of Una and Lon. So no, we do know more things about him. We do know more things about him. What do we know about Chief Kyle? That he is going to be in Wrath of Khan. Yep. Okay. So he can't die. Yeah. So yeah, he's, no, he's, he, he, he's for the tenure so, of this show. He's immortal. Of uh, like, it, it is like, it is funny because originally he was played by a white actor. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, whatever. Yeah. But um, I was rewatching uh, Wrath of Khan last weekend. I don't remember when or last week, last week, because it was its 40th anniversary, mm. um, which God, I feel old. I, uh, <laughs> like that movie came out before I was born, but now I feel old. Um <laughs> And it's like, and he's like on the bridge of the Reliant. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> and, and actually that circles back to one of the things that we were talking about at the start of recording, which is the predictability of some of the show. And that's something, honestly, to keep in mind is that some of the characters are just straight up immortal because they have to be. Yeah. I mean, who knows? One of them could die and be replaced with an android body. One of them could die, be put into a, uh, you know, one of the photon torpedo tombs, get sent to a, like, Genesis planet, then uh, revive as a small child, and then have to learn everything from scratch. One of them could be victim to a huge spatial anomaly, uh, die, and is then replaced by his alternate universe self from a timeline that branched only about half an hour in the past. Or this could be... This is actually Harry Kim. This is actually <laughs> Harry Kim. The Harry Kim who survives Voyager is not from our reality. <laughs> this is this is, this is is my fridge horror thing of like, whenever I'm like left alone with my thoughts, I just remember, yeah, that's really weird. Wow, I did not know that. <laughs> like, they just straight up, they just straight up murder him and like, they just bring on a clone from like, a doomed neighboring Voyager. Um, this is a, some a Rick and Morty too. shit. 
it's a baby like the baby too in that episode oh god <laughs> i i i feel like i don't know why i was focused on that but i was just like right that's a thing yep. yeah Woof. On that grim note, I don't know. We could just keep figuring out. We could just keep listing ways that like Star Trek cast, like crew members have died and been brought back in the same episode. Uh, or there could be two of everybody. They could all get caught in transporter buffers while beaming off a planet, and then they could all have like lower ranked versions of themselves on another ship out there in the galaxy somewhere. Yeah. Or or they could be de-aged to kids. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or turned into slugs and lobsters. No, that doesn't exist. Uh, yes, it that episode, does. That episode doesn't exist. <laughs> or devolved into monkeys and reptiles. Uh, if I mean, if we're just going deep into the into the deep into the bullshit here, they could also fall <laughs> fall in love with Scottish ghosts. So <laughs> they, they could they could also fall. That, that's in where love. my suspension of disbelief goes: is Scottish ghosts. But but what about we know that Scots don't have souls. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Paladins or 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 Scots Scots from Scotland. Both. If your name is Scott or you're from Scotland, you don't have a soul. Well, <laughs> I believe that. That would explain the whole uh, Texas toast thing. The lore on the show is so stupid. <laughs> and Texas toast isn't even lore on this show. It's just lore on the Discord. It's lore on Twitter, yes. which. Uh. I call that show lore. I think I've that's like the third time I've mentioned it in an episode. So, is it? Yes. I don't remember anything we do in the show. <laughs> it's like it. It makes it really fun to listen to them on like day of release. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it helps that we have such a preposterous buffer that we throw these things out into the void, and then Aaron's like, "Oh, hey, here's an episode you recorded five months ago. Remember that funny thing you said? No, <laughs> no, this is very funny." There, there was okay. We're going on tangents now because yeah, is, we should wrap this episode. We'll, up. we'll wrap up the episode. We'll wrap this episode up after this. Um, I was listening to a person of interest one where we're talking about the rangefinder. Like, where did Harold learn to use a rangefinder? And I was like, and I'm like listening to it. And I'm like bird watching. Obviously, he learned it from bird watching. And then like two minutes after like two minutes of discussion on this, I said it could have been bird watching. And I'm like, thank you, Patsy. <laughs> <laughs> I would have. Hated to, well, actually, myself. <laughs> That's pretty good. Okay. Um, we don't have any guests. We don't have any real guest stars in this episode. There are some random extras playing doomed memory ghosts yeah. in Lawn's Mind Melt. Yeah. But next time. Oh, boy. Uh, next time. Oh, boy. We should, uh, next time. I hope you're ready to get freaky. Freaky Friday, because uh, it is episode five, Spock Amok. Until next time, hit it. Strange New Pods is a limited run series by the Babylon Project, a member of the OK So Network. All views expressed are our own. Music credits can be found in the show notes. Wear life gloriously.